Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, homeschool leaders. Welcome back to the Homeschool CPA Podcast. This is Carol Topp, your host, and I am sharing with you the top 10 tips for homeschool leaders. This is part of a workshop I did a few years ago in uh, Kansas, in Wichita, Kansas, and the other the other parts, episodes, number 180, 181, 182, had to do with uh, board duties, bylaws, preventing fraud. And this episode, the fourth of five parts of the top 10 tips, is has to do with paying workers, especially teachers in a homeschool program. And boy, is that a hot topic. So uh, people from the audience, you'll hear occasionally ask a question. They're asking questions about uh, should teachers be independent contractors or employees? What if parents pay the teachers directly? What happens there? Things like that. I think you'll find this very hot topic, a very important topic in the homeschool world. And uh, you might find my book, Paying Workers in a Homeschool Organization, to be helpful too, to learn a little bit more in depth about how you should be paying the people who work in your homeschool program. You can find that book over at homeschoolcpa.com or on amazon.com, Paying Workers in a Homeschool Organization. I hope you find this podcast helpful. Okay. All right, let's camp out on this one a little bit. <sighs> Paying workers are, okay, let's, are teachers in a homeschool co-op independent contractors or employees? Seems like it should be a simple enough question. It, de- it depends on whether they teach for someone else. What was your reply? Who does the taxes? Mm-hmm. The tax reporting for independent contractors is different from the tax reporting for employees. Yes, but how do you know if that worker is an employee or an independent contractor? I'm an employee. Yes, you do pay FICA and things like that. Independent contractors. That's right. That's right. The tax reporting is different for the two. But how do you know which your worker is? She got it right. What she was starting to list there, what the IRS calls, well, they used to have a 20-factor checklist, which they did away with, but I still publish it in my book because it's helpful, and those are some of the 20 factors they look at. Is the worker providing a key activity of the business? That's kind of what you were saying in IRS language. Uh, how, how much control are you exerting over the worker? That was the second thing you said. And one of the measures uh, might be, do they perform this work for others? That's another indicator. So if someone provides these, these classes, teaching these classes for others, which way do you think that makes them lean, employee or independent contractor? Independent, independent contractor, right. Okay. If they are providing the key activity of the business, are they more likely an employee or an independent contractor? Employee. So here's the sticky thing about homeschool co-ops. Okay, if they're truly what I call a true, pure, old-fashioned co-op, 
meaning the parents are all volunteering their services, and you bring in one outsider to teach one class because you couldn't find a mom and everybody wanted her. You bring in one outsider, she teaches a class. Who's providing the key activity of the co-op? Those volunteer parents are providing most of it. This person's just coming in. I'd say you might be able to get away with calling her an independent contractor because, as you put it, your organization won't fall apart if that one person doesn't come anymore. You still have your... Now, but there are a lot of homeschool groups out there. My daughters were in a homeschool program where everybody was paid for coming in and teaching. The Landry Academy, which was this large online school, everybody was paid, no volunteers, everybody was paid. Do you think they were providing the key activity of the business? You sure, sure were. What happens if they were all removed? There is no Landry Academy. There is no program. So... As I started investigating this and writing this book, uh, Paying Workers and Homeschool Organization, I started reading court cases. When the Landry Academy fiasco happened last December, which Landry Academy all of a sudden imploded, went filed for bankruptcy. And our understanding from the teachers who talked about it on social media was that there was an IRS audit of their employee classification. The IRS came in and said, all these people you were treating as independent contractors because you were just letting them sign up and teach a class. According to Landry, I don't know. I don't know Landry Academy's story. They never spoke. But I would imagine they'd say, we weren't controlling them. The IRS said they should have been employees. And there were 250-some teachers scattered over many states. Very complex reporting if they had been treated as employees. Very easy as independent contractors. So which way do you think Landry Academy wanted it? The easy way, of course, we all do. Okay, so as a result of that Landry Academy going bankrupt, a lot of people lost a lot of money that they had prepaid for classes. It was horrible, right? It was horrible. I started reading lots of court cases, and I have concluded, after reading not just the IRS 20 factors, not just what they put on their website, but lots of court cases, that homeschool co-ops are pretty much closest to part-time or adjunct professors at colleges. There's not a lot, there's no court cases, well, there's not court cases, but there's not a lot of published documentation I could find about homeschoolers being audited. I know of one. Okay, so I was relying on the closest I could get, which were college professors. And lots of universities were audited by the IRS, and over and over and over and over again, the IRS said, that professor is providing the key activity of the business. They're an employee. And I'm going, I'm reading these things and saying, this is just like these homeschool programs. They're just like adjunct professors at universities. They come in, teach one class, one night a week. You know, They might teach for different universities even. So that's not the litmus test. It's the fact that they were providing the key activity of the business. I also say... You are controlling those co-op teachers, or those, I'm not going to say co-op, because co-op to me is purely volunteer. You are controlling those teachers in your homeschool program more than you think. Now, you may say, they bring their own, they, they bring their own curriculum. I don't tell them what to do. 
But if your group is faith-based and you want them to sign a statement of faith, you're controlling them. You have to control them. You know why? You're dealing with children. You have to watch them. You have to know what's going on in the classroom. You're dealing with children. So I'm delivering bad news to a lot of homeschool groups, and they don't like to hear what I have to say. But a lot of them are taking it very graciously and saying, we're converting them to employees. Guess who's calling me right now? Classical Conversations. Because if you know what their program is like, is that tutor providing the key activity of the business? She sure is. Are they controlling that tutor? They sure are. Okay, feedback on that. What are you thinking of that? Okay. Teacher, it doesn't run through us, right? And we don't give them rules for their classroom or anything. We're like basically, if you're coming to teach, you you do what you think is right. Okay. Uh, you have the parents pay the teachers directly, which is which is a pretty good option, and a lot of groups do that. And and you you have said already that your group is is uh, you called yourself progressive. The teachers can come in and kind of do whatever they want, and you don't control them. Okay. A lot of our groups don't want that. Oh, no, no, no. We're not just letting any Tom, Dick, and Harry come in and teach whatever they want to our kids. You might be controlling them more than you think. But you're out of the relationship if the parents are paying them. So they can't be your independent contractor or your employee. You're not paying them. So that is the solution a lot of homeschool groups have gone with. The parents might complain, but you're like, hey, it saves me a lot of problems. Okay, here's one problem it introduces, though. A Classical Conversations director in Illinois calls me and says, I can't get any church to host me because Classical Conversations are businesses and the church doesn't want business being conducted. She's got a problem. If every single one of those teachers are are independent business owners, and they are, because now they're not hired as your employee, they're independent business owners. You're just giving them space to conduct their business that day. You're running your homeschool program. The church is now letting business be conducted in the church building. And our church is fine with that. Your church is fine with that. Make sure the state of Kansas is fine with that. What happens is I've got some paperwork. I couldn't find a whole lot. I tried to research it. Um, the, the church may lose their property tax exemption if they are conducting for-profit activities on church property. The church is given property tax exemption for religious activities not to host businesses. In the state of Washington, if your church hosts a business more than 15 days out of the calendar year, your church will lose its property tax exemption in the state of Washington. Individual business? Each individual business for 15 days out of the calendar year? 15 days. Any business doing doing business on the church property. So I'm there at a mega church in the Seattle area, and they are conducting a homeschool conference. Every single one of those vendors were business. And I said to the founder, to the the organizers of the conference, do you know about the 15-day rule, and do you know that this convention just took three of the 15 for this church? Classical conversations, if, how many did, weeks do they meet in a year? Fifteen is like that. Now, that's Washington State. But when I heard from Illinois, and she said, and I looked up Illinois, they have a rule that says churches, you have property taxes, and I'm reading a, anyway, 
I'm reading a book right now, and it's like property tax law for charitable organizations. Yeah, pity me. This is the stuff I read. But I am trying to figure this stuff out for you guys because your churches may say, I contracted with what I thought was a 501c3 charity, not all these teachers to host their businesses on my property. Now, you say the church is fine with it. Cool. Make sure the state of Kansas is okay with the church using their property for business purposes. Okay, I don't know, because I don't know Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Big Brothers and Big Sisters is a 501c3. That's usually fine. It doesn't threaten the property tax exemption of a church. And, and you can, your 501c3 can have employees. That's cool. Your 501c3 can even have independent contractors. But again, the church is loaning space or renting space to the 501c3. When the parents are individually paid, the teachers individually paid by the parents, the teachers are running independent businesses on church property. So what do you do? Okay. Do you, read, you read Kansas law. I'm sorry. You got to read Kansas law. You got to get, this gets down specific to each state. And, and I, I thought about something about property tax in Kansas, and it was not quite clear. And again, I'm not a lawyer, so you might have to go talk to some uh, attorneys who are specialists in labor laws. And, and really one place to start is to look at your universities. They were my example. You, you know, how, how are the universities paying their part-time professors? I bet they're making them all employees. Yeah. Or just see if it threatens the property. Now, how much it threatens the property tax exemption? In Washington State, it was all or nothing. In, in other states, I'm finding through this lovely, boring book I'm reading, that it can be a little bit. So they might come and say, okay, you're running a business, but how much of it, it's so insignificant or it's not enough that we're going to, Kansas is going to bother the church about the property tax bill. Kansas may never know, right? Not that that makes it right, but they may never know unless you're audited, the church is audited for their building use, or they might, ha- they might do a, a partial bill. They might, they might make the church start paying some property tax because the building use is not um, strictly religious. Does that make sense? Are, it's are, complicated. Yeah, are independent contractors, contractors not receive any monetary compensation? Can an independent contractor not receive monetary... Con- yes. Okay. Do you have a, you want me to give you an example or do you have one in mind? Okay. Here's what happened in this homeschool program. This uh, woman came and, and taught a class. Her teenage daughter was also enrolled. And what they did was say, um, you don't have to pay tuition on your child. Okay. Now, the person in charge of this group was uh, an accountant, and she knew, and we talked about it, and I said, that, quote, free tuition that that teacher's getting for her daughter the, has to be included on her 1099, the reporting form is taxable income. Okay, you following what I'm saying? Because that's complicated. Okay. So she received no cash. She got a tuition discount, but that tuition discount the IRS considers taxable income. So this woman, this teacher at the end of the year, her name was Teresa, she was actually my tax client. Teresa's 1099 miscellaneous had a dollar amount of what her paychecks were. Added to that dollar amount of her paychecks was the, quote, free tuition her daughter got, 
wasn't free. It was taxable. Is that making sense? Independent contractors do not get benefits. If you give your independent contractor a benefit, you have to add it to their 1099 miscellaneous and it's taxable income. And the benefit for us is usually, quote, free tuition to the independent contractor, even free nursery. If your independent contractor comes and brings her baby and puts it in the nursery, you're giving the independent contractor a taxable benefit. So that's non-paid compensation. Non-paid compensation. The IRS considers educational benefits and maybe, you know, daycare benefits as taxable income. I do not like this. When I was writing this book, I said to my husband, they're not going to like this. Homeschool leaders are not going to like this. And he said to me, do you want to write the book? And I said, I have to. And especially I wrote it, and a month later the Landry Academy thing blew up, and I thought, I have got to stop you guys from getting in trouble. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.